Hello, welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Jordana Osban, here with my friend Chabruta Ann Gordon. Our daf today, Masachat Yuma, daf Yudalid, page 14. Well, we're on to a new Mishnah. We wrapped up uh, the previous Mishnah, ends on a little bit of an odd note, talking about a Kohen, Gadol, and what happens when he's in a state of Aninus. Um, but now we get to the second Mishnah of our parak, uh, which talks about sort of what happens during those seven days uh, when the Kohen Gadol is sequestered. Kol yamim So during all those seven days, the Kohen Gadol throws the blood, basically of the Korban Tamid offerings, umatir takatoret, and burns the incense, rod, and prepares the lamps, umakrivet rosh regel, and offers up the head and the hind leg of the Korban Tamid korbanos, ushar kol hayamim imratzel lahakriv makriv. Um, and the other days of the year, if the Kohen Gadol wants to do that avoda, he can, right? So the idea here is that basically, you know, the week before he's doing this, this is like intensive Kohen Gadol boot camp. So he spends those seven days doing all of this avoda with, so that basically when it comes to Yom Kippur, where there's a very elaborate avoda, he's not going to get any of it wrong. But during the rest of the year, right, other than these eight days, the seven days before Yom Kippur and Yom Kippur itself, the Kohen Gadol can do what he wants to do, but he does not have to do any of these things. For the Kohen Gadol sort of has the first right to do anything, to, to offer any part of a korban that he wants to. And also he is first um, right in terms of eating any of the food. And I thought it was very interesting to see from this Mishnah that essentially, you know, and it was something I sort of never thought about before, but it does make sense. Because when we think about the Kohen Gadol, the Kohen Gadol is really associated with the Avoda of Yom Kippur. I can't think of any other part of the Avoda that he's really associated with. And so that's basically what this is saying. The Kohen Gadol's main job is to perform on Yom Kippur. The rest of the year, the Kohen Gadol can do what he wants and he has rights to it because he is sort of, he is the Kohen Gadol but it's not anything that he has to do. So really a great Mishnah that I think shows us what type of training the Kohen Gadol goes into. It's not assumed that because you're the Kohen Gadol, you know how to do this, all these things. There's certainly sort of a practice makes per- per- perfect type of element here or this training camp type of element here. Um, and then also, you know, explaining to us what happens during the rest of the year. Um, and anything you want to add to that before I get to the piece of the Gemara here I want to read? No, I think that what I have to say later, we'll comment on this as well, but go on now. Um, and so the, now the Gemara wants to, you know, always get into its topic of who wrote this Mishnah, right? My <laughs> Tana, right? Who is the Tana who taught this Mishnah? I'm a Rafista. So they sort of start with a negative here. Delo Rabbi Akiva. It's clearly not Rabbi Akiva. Why? De Rabbi Akiva, because if it was Rabbi Akiva, Ha Amar Takur Shanafla Lav Haza. Because Rabbi Akiva would say, that a Tahor person who gets sprinkled with the para aduma ashes, Tim Ato, he is actually becomes Tame. And so we know that one of the things that happens to the Kohen Gadol during this week is that he gets sprinkled every day with the waters of the para aduma. This Mishnah doesn't talk about that. We, we mentioned that in the earlier tapping. Hecha avid avoda. But according to Rabbi Akiva, how would he perform the avoda? And so what we're basically learning here is a very interesting opinion of Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva holds that if you take or sprinkle uh, a tahor person with the water of the paraduma, it actually makes that person tamid, which is really sort of very interesting chiddush on Rabbi Akiva's part. And therefore, when the Mishnah teaches us that the Kohen Gadol 
is doing uh, the avoda during the week, according to Rabbi Kiva, he would not be allowed to do that avoda because he's actually in a state of tuma that whole week until he gets sprinkled with the uh, para aduma um, uh, water during the whole week. Then at the end of that week, he's tahor again. But the process of being sprinkled by it actually makes him tummy temporarily, which is really kind of fascinating if you think about it. Um, and so then the Gemara is now going to cite a brisa that shows us Detanya, we learned that a brisa bihiza tahor al So this is quoting a pasuk here from Bamidbar, right from the parak from Parak Yotet, where we learn about all the halachot of Para Aduma. And the pasuk here says the tahor will sprinkle upon the tame. And so using this sort of like extra word of tame, like who else is the tahor person sprinkling? Of course, he's only going to be sprinkling a tame person. So using, so to Rabbi Akiva, this is an unneeded word. So if one sprinkles these purification waters upon a person who is tame, he becomes tahor. But if a tahor person is sprinkled, he actually becomes tame. This is Rabbi Akiva's opinion. The Chachamim, the Chachamim say, right, thinking about this extra word of Tameh, that that extra word of Tameh is talking about that this process of sprinkling somebody with uh, the, or an object with the uh, water of the Paraduma only applies to things that can uh, actually become um, Tameh, right? That in other words, the ashes or this ash water only, you know, basically work um, on something that actually has the potential or actually is actually tame. Um, and then the Gemara goes on and spends a little bit more um, time really delving into uh, what exactly are they uh, arguing over um, and that really they're arguing over sort of this extra word, al-hatame. Um, I'm not going to read all of it, um, but, you know, very, very interesting chiddush of Rabbi Akiva that I just wanted to draw everybody's attention to. Um, and, you know, it, it, in a way it's like counterintuitive and the Gemara, you know, basically says that, like they basically go on to say, you know, here the situation that's described, you know, basically that's talking about Rabbi Akiva where the water is already sprinkled on by a Tahor person, right? It's a Kalva Homer, right? If for a Tame person, they become Tahor, right? How could it be that a Tower person, of course he remains even Tahor. Like it couldn't be that he becomes Tame. And that's really what the Chachamim say against Rabbi Akiva. And I think this shows sort of the, you know, creative license that Rabbi Akiva always takes, right? There's even sometimes something about it that is appears to be like a little bit illogical. And that's what the Chachamim come back to say to Rabbi Akiva. How could it possibly be that a Tower person becomes Tame? This is the thing that makes you actually tahor. And that's really where the Gemara lands at the end of this discussion. Well, I mean, that last, just on that last point, that is the paradox, right, of the paradigma to begin with. So the fact that it could be applied elsewhere is not as, I don't no, know. It no, might be I, as, I agree it, with that. I think that's an important piece to say. I was bringing this up more to show sort of like Rabbi Akiva's creativity. But oh, I for sure. You it's kind of taking that the paradoxical piece of the paradigma. That's really what he's doing creatively. So I'm glad you said this to the next level. It's so paradoxical that it's not just that the person who prepares it becomes tame, but even a tahor person would become tame. Right, right, right. It's like and the I double think this really, right. And I think this is really why 
the essence of paraduma is really what we call a chok. It's literally a mitzvah we do not understand, right? It's just telling you this is the status. This is just what Hashem says. You sprinkle it, you're tahor. You prepare it, you're tame. There's nothing about it that, that has any rationale or logic to it. And that's why it's a chok. Okay, so I want to go back to the part that's not a chok. Um, and go forward to the part that's also not a chok, or maybe it is, but what we've got here is, I'm going to say, a lot of discussion of the order of things. And that, I think, is part of what you were discussing, you know, because it's really in the Mishnah. The piece I want to talk about in Amabet is coming off of the Mishnah. So I'll read that and then explain where, where I'm trying to go here. So this is a citation from the Mishnah itself, that the Kohen Gadol, on each of these seven days that he's, you know, prepping for the, for the Yom Kippur, he burns the incense, and he removes those ashes from the lamps. Now, there's a question here of, you know, halakhically, what, what is he really doing? Is he, is he cleaning the lamps or is he burning off the oil? There's a, there's a bit of a discussion amongst the Rishonim, you know, exactly what this, what this process is. But the point here is that the Gemara here goes on to say the incense is burned first. al maktorit Baresha, Vahadar Neirot. And then you go back and you, you do the candles. Verminhu, and they ask this question. So what happens is that it's not just that there's an order of events. There's an order of events in terms of the ketoret, that's the incense, and then there's a cleaning of the menorot, that's the, the ashes or the candles, however you want to call it. And then, and you know, again, presumably the incense comes first and then the lamps, but we've got this contradiction because this mission, there was this of Ram Inhu, where do we get this question? It's from a uh, a contradiction to uh, the Mishnah in Masachet Tamid. Tamid is where they really discuss the daily activity in the Beit HaMikdash. And it isn't just for the Kohen Gadol prepping for the Yom Kippur. This is what happens really every day of the, in the Beit HaMikdash in terms of the basic, I don't know, housekeeping tasks, right? For, for as much as we could call it that. So, so what happens is they would, every day they would have, a, I think it was every day, they certainly had a lottery that then was applied to every day, right? That the Kohen... Um, who was going to be the person to do the removal of the ashes and who was going to be the person to, uh, there's ashes on the Mizbeach, sorry, Mizbeach HaPnimi, and Mishazachah B'Menorah, and the person on the, who does the lamps or the Menorah, the candelabra, or Mishazachah B'Ktorit. And then it says, you know, lastly, it says the person who uh, gets to do deal with the Ketorit, with the incense. So according to that, formulation in Tamid, if you look at that as an order of operations, it sounds like the Ketoret comes last, not before the menorah. So, okay. So first of all, this is exactly the kind of situation where it's very easy to get bogged down in the details because especially if it's not even clear what the details are, like what was the order that they did these things. But I think one of the things that's happening here is that because we're really talking about this, you know, the basic order of operations in the Beit HaMikdash, this was not yet specific to the Yom Kippur stuff, right? This is not the pertaining to the Yom Kippur Avodah. This is just what the Kohen Gadol is going to be doing in his uh, regular functionary responsibilities, you know, during that week. And the question then of what happens when and which or which of the item, which of the activities that you have to do takes precedence is on the one hand, you know, a, halachic, a halachically important thing. And on the other hand, I wonder to what extent it's a conundrum because figuring out exactly, you know, what did they do in what order? And so if you're trying to figure out what is the Kohen's activity going to be in that week beforehand, 
when presumably he's a bit nervous and he's certainly sequestered. He's away from his home and he's prepping for Yom Kippur. And what are these, you know, regular, regularly scheduled activities that he's going to engage in, which apparently he himself may not have been doing the entirety of the rest of the year. So I feel like the Gemara is working hard to give us this picture of, you know, what was the day? What was the daily day of those weeks of that week beforehand, as opposed to what was the special things that were, you know, coming up on on Yom Kippur? Um, the Gemara here goes on, then, of course, to try to resolve the contradiction. And, you know, it raises other questions in terms of especially um, we've got a discussion from a Tosefta of Rav Shimon, Isha Mitzpah, sorry, Mitzpah, um, who was focusing on the sprinkling of the blood and how does that, I mean, there's a lot of daily activities that are going on that are not just in this little list that I've just read off. But I think that the, the sum total of focus on, from this Gemara, on what was happening on the day, yes, the list of what, the, the to-do list was longer than what, I'm just, what I've just said. But I think that that is, um, I think that's what they're trying to figure out. You know, what really was the daily day? Um, and I think it goes back, Dana, to what you were talking about at the beginning what were you talking about at the beginning in terms of the purification waters? I, well, yeah. And I think also seeing that sort of this week, um, you know, the week before Yom Kippur is when the Kohen Gadol is really involved in the daily activities. So it's interesting to me that they sort of get to a discussion about the daily activities by the one week where it's not done the way that it regularly was done. Right. That too. That's the other, that's a key point. Yes. Thank you for, for making sure that we clarify that, you know, but this, this, but it sounds like Talmud logic to me. So <laughs> I, <laughs> I guess I understand how they ended up that way. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rinkus review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to our Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hydrin website. Let us know what you thought about this stuff on our talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn. <laughs>